Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is supported in part by the Bertha Foundation. G'day, Lewis. You look good. Thank you, Dan. Yeah, I know. Um, to all those listening at home on the podcast, I got a new laptop. Hooray! I've been putting out pretty subtle signs for the last year to ask uh, one of our listeners to uh, <laughs> donate to me, but it turns out our listeners contain zero sugar daddy, so I have bought one myself. Oh. Uh, well, we, you should know, Lewis, that we do have a few sugar daddies, but they are giving us money in $3 amounts. Uh, <laughs> uh, big thank you to Fauzia Khan chipping in with $3. David McAuliffe is chipping in a bit more, 10 bucks a month. Big thank you uh, to those folks on the Patreon. If you want to join us on Patreon, you can simply go to patreon.com forward slash irrational fear. Hi, everyone. Oh. I'm Mel Silver oh, and on. I Google oh, here what? in Australia. Oh, Mel Silver. Oh. You're like most Australians. Good good. Oh, shut up. Oh, we just don't need her. Just, she's up everywhere. Have you have you seen Mel Silver? She, do you know Mel Silver? I'm unfamiliar with Mel Silver. I've just I've gotten I've gotten rid of Google in anticipation of our upcoming future. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just feel like she's everywhere. She's omnipresent. I want to um, say to people living in so-called Sydney metropolitan area, we are 80 percent sold of our hundredth live show, which is great news. You've only got six more days to get tickets. Go to giantdwarf.com.au. The link will be in the show notes. Lewis, yeah. who is on the show um you and i are there dan the wonderful <laughs> gabby bolt who has been blowing up tiktok we've got of course yumi steins the the great yes. yumi steins we, we have yes. alice fraser the delightful yes. the hilarious the wonderful alice fraser we have chris taylor unbelievable yes the um actor winning writer of um of uh the show he did which no uh, stand up, upright, upright, upright. Oh, yeah, upright. Yes, yes. And, uh, stand sorry. up, yeah, and sorry, upright. Tales. And uh, of course, is Hamish Blake still coming? Yeah, he is. I think Hamish. Blake. He said he was. Yeah, yeah. 
how annoying would it be if I just did if I just said thank God you're here over and over to him? <laughs> I think that would be part of the show. Right. Uh, so please head to giantdwarf.com.au to buy tickets. Um, letting you know that I'm recording my end of a rational fear on Gadigal land in the Yora Nation. Sovereignty was never ceded. We need a treaty. Let's start the show. A rational fear contains naughty words like Brexit, Canberra, Fair Dickum, and Section 40. A rational fear recommends listening by immature audiences. Tonight, fake news has been named the word of the decade by Macquarie Dictionary. The Oxford Dictionary has reached out to clarify that it's actually two words. And having missed out on any of the $177 million bushfire recovery fund, the heritage-listed Blue Mountains realised they made the mistake of not being a rugby league club from Queensland with a women's team that doesn't exist. And Tanya Plibersek's confrontation with Craig Kelly over vaccine conspiracies had the Liberal backbencher needing to apply hydroxychloroquine for those harsh burns. It's the 5th of February and it's a historic and proud day for Irrational Fear podcast. This is Irrational Fear. Irrational Fear! Welcome to Irrational Fear. I'm your host, Dan Illich, former CEO of Amazon.com. Let's meet our fear mongers for tonight. A man who decided that it was simply too risky to come to so-called Sydney to do our 100th anniversary live show uh, so he could say in Melbourne instead, it's the sultan of satire, it's Sammy Shah. Sammy, are you a COVID coward? I am indeed a COVID coward only because I have a daughter and I and I parent week on, week off, um, like so many divorced <laughs> parents do in this day and age and so if I get stuck there for one extra day or two extra days it's going to throw out everyone's schedules and I just can't risk it and I'll be honest I just don't trust Sydney Siders you've got a shifty look in your eyes every time every day that goes by without Sydney somehow causing the end of the world I mean, to me is miraculous but also you, I don't know why that would be a surprise and this week marks her 10th year in Parliament House Press Gallery yet she is yet to seek parole it's friend of the podcast Shalila Medora Shalila uh, 10 years that is a long time to be giving your yourself to the Australian Parliament House Press Gallery man I must have done something really bad you know to get 10 years um, I mean Sammy if you feel sh- that Sydney side is a shifty. God knows what you must think of people who work in Parliament House because I'll tell you what, they're a very, very shifty bunch. And it's the man who refuses to line up for anything. It's Lewis Hobber. I, I mean, that's accurate. But also, you, I don't know why that would be a surprise. Like, I don't know. Yep. Li- lining up's for idiots. Coming up a little later on, we're going to be crossing live to Myanmar to hear how young people are coping with the military's decision to give up on that whole democratic process thing. After just being five years in opposition, we'll ask, what can the ALP learn from the Burmese military junta? But first, a message from our sponsor. Hi, everyone. I'm oh, Mel no. Silver and I like oh, Google here in Australia. No, no, there's not. There's not, we're not I'm sorry. That's the wrong sponsor. She always just turns up out of nowhere. But first, a message from our sponsor. Hello, I'm Bill Gates former Microsoft founder and CEO, now full-time boomer with too many resources at hand. And when I'm not plotting to vaccinate the world with the latest antivirus, I'm using Bing. Bing almost works as great as Google. 
That's why over 6% of the world trust Bing to find what they're looking for. Say you want to find the best coffee shop near you. All you have to do is go to www.bing.com and type in Spanish Civil War and Bing! The best coffee shops will appear on your screen. And say you want to read all the latest news on your phone. Just download the Bing app and hit the latest news tab and Bing! You can binge all the latest news on the Costa Concordia shipwreck. You know, with the departure of Google from Australia, my old friends at Microsoft are ready to make Bing relevant to Australia as Australia is relevant to the world. Bing! Oh, and uh, this has nothing to do with the rumors of me trying to inject you with 5G nanobots. Just try to search for it on Bing. It doesn't exist. Bing! 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 <laughs> Finally, some real money coming into the podcast. <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed that. Thank you. Yeah. First fear tonight, Collingwood Football Club is, according to long-standing president Eddie Maguire, not racist but has problems with systemic racism. What's the difference? Well, not even Eddie could phone a friend to find out. A report on the failures of the football club to deal with systemic racism was delivered to the club in December and in classic Hollywood defensive form, they promptly buried it. It was then leaked to a journalist who was going to publish it this week. So once again on the back foot, Collingwood president Eddie Maguire got out ahead of the story and held a 50-minute press conference to announce that it was a proud and a historic day for the club. Historic, yes. Proud, um, it's it's the kind of proud a three-year-old has after they've made a mural with their own feces on the living room wall, uh, I think. Uh, the Do Better report says a few things, like there's a gap between what the club stands for and what it does. What it stands for, of course, is winning football games. Uh, what it does is winning football games while being racist. Uh, the report acknowledged that Collingwood does do some great stuff in the community, like programs around homelessness. It's just that it does that at the same time is being racist. Uh, the report also says that whenever racism is reported, racists in charge are too busy thinking racist thoughts to hear the reports. They forget what was reported so no one thinks they're racist. Fearmongers, is this a proud and historic day for Collingwood? Sammy? Well, one of the things you have to understand is that uh, Eddie did, never got a chance to tell us exactly what he was proud of, you know. He said he was <laughs> proud we don't realize he is proud and he's rightfully proud of the racism in the club, of how good they are, <laughs> how efficiently they've done it over the years, how they've had a game plan and they've stuck to that game plan no matter what came their way. You know, that requires effort, concentration. Here's the crazy thing. The thing that upsets me the most about this whole story is that I now have to talk about footy and I... Do not care about, I, about. I'm from Pakistan and I don't give a shit about cricket. Why would I ever care about footy? The only way I could ever care about footy is if a sinkhole opened up under the MCG, swallowed all the teams, all the players, all the supporters and fans, and the overall IQ of this country went up significantly. Until that happens, I would like to avoid talking about footy. But somehow, because it addresses racism, and it was racism, I now have to talk about this repulsive sport run by an absolutely repulsive group of human beings. Well, if the racists weren't <laughs> going to come after you because of the colour of your skin, it's definitely the <laughs> AFL comments that are going to set them off. The way I figure it, they're coming off, someone's coming after me at some point anyway. So, you know, <laughs> might as well throw the net far and wide and just get as many people as possible. As a uh, born and bred Geelong uh, man, I, I need, and, and a lifetime Geelong fan, 
Um, I, I've always been a huge fan of footy, and the, the racism in footy is is huge and it's out of control. And it, I mean, Eddie Maguire, like we've all seen the when he told uh, we mentioned on radio that you know Adam Goods should go and see King Kong. There's like he has been <laughs> terrible this whole time. Uh, and it is often uh, with all issues like to do with race, you'd often say it isn't a black and white issue. Uh, but with Collingwood, it literally is. It's the colours of their jersey. So uh, <laughs> there's there's really nothing that he can say to get around that. But it is you could sort of see what a, a normal person without that history might be trying to say in that moment. Like not proud, but like acknowledging these issues is is important. But I mean, what a butchering for a person who talks professionally constantly. What an absolute nightmare. Can I just give you a short list of some of the things that Eddie Maguire has said, you know, badly in the past? So, for example, there's the time he, like you said, called Adam, said Adam Goods should promote King Kong. When he joked about drowning AFL journalist Caroline Wilson. When he made homophobic remarks about male figure skaters. When he called John Aaron a a muzzy. um, Asked when he should be boning Nine Network presenter Jessica Rowe. And called Western Sydney the land of the falafel. These are all humongous acts of racism, homophobia, misogyny from one man whose career has done nothing but benefit from this. So why would he stop at this point? He's like the gaslighter-in-chief, really, isn't he? Like, by saying, no, no, there's no racism. It's like, who are you trying to fool with all of these comments? Like, honestly, that's what you say on the record. Can you imagine what goes on behind the scenes in that particular club? Like, it's massively gaslighting on a national level. Well, I think it's absolutely clear that Eddie is clearing the decks and he's absolutely ready for a career in national politics. <laughs> I don't think he could afford the pay cut, to be very honest. I mean, I've seen the, <laughs> the man wears a Rolex Daytona on his wrist. That's a hundred and something thousand dollar watch. He has a TV show. He has a radio show. He has all of these things. Going into politics would be a massive step down for him at this point. To get that kind of watch, you have to work at Australia Post, and that's that is just that's a that's a sideways step. That is a sideways step. Um, it's interesting. They had eighteen recommendations in the report. I don't know if you've managed to read it. Um, I've summarised them all down to five. It is one: learn about racism. Two: don't be racist. Three: if there's racism going on, stop it and get rid of it. Four: tell everyone not to be a racist. Five: and get people of colour and First Nations people into leadership positions so that next time you must might not actually be a racist by accident. <laughs> Five will never be accomplished. We can actually cross that one out right now. You don't think that'll be done? I, I think this is happening in organisations all over the country right now. I actually think that's the first thing that they'll do, but they'll put in a figurehead person like they did at this particular press conference, had a woman mm. of colour, a First Nations woman there, to mop up the mess of all the racists, basically, to be like the figurehead to be like, look, we're not so bad. We've got a person, we've got a, a First Nations yeah. person here sitting next to us. We can't be that bad. That's the first thing they do. And then that poor person gets stuck with the burden of not only having to deal with racist incidents in their organisation, but then also cleaning up the mess of those racist incidents. Um, I mean, they could always just hire Sam Newman in back blackface. <laughs> no, but that's what I was going to say. There's go. a long, you know, Chris Lilly's still available. He's got nothing going on these days. Um, no, it's very interesting to see the list of, you said, like all the different things. They're about as effective and as um, as innovative in their approach to dealing with racism as when you were in third grade and your teacher said, if someone bullies you, say, stop it, I don't like it. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, that, this is exactly the bullying policy at high school. This is this actually it's actually the same dot points. It's so baffling and so it's so crazy that we have to give this to a, proper adults to read. It's also um, perhaps that, someone uh, who I, one of the crazier things in terms of like the media cycle of it is that after about twenty four hours. Eddie Maguire was no longer the the main focus of this problem. It was Waleed Ali because of I don't know. Like if he's obviously that that pro, that thing he did on the project, it was called out by the wonderful Amir Rahman at the time, uh, and everyone was like, "This is trash" at the time, and now it's been brought back up, and everyone's like, "It's still trash." And you know, hopefully, like Waleed does say something about it. But it is pretty wild that like the front page of News dot com is like. Waleed Ali, responsible for Collingwood's racism. And you're like, what the <laughs> hell is going on? Perhaps some criticism from an unconventional quarter is uh, the voice actor, John DiMaggio. You may have heard this guy. He's from uh, he's from in- incredible animated series like Futurama. Uh, here he's, This is him here standing outside his Hollywood home holding his magpie's cap next to his bins. Well, hello, Internet, and hello to everybody in Australia. Uh, you know, when I was there, I had a lot of fun, and uh, I was able to go to a couple of uh, Aussie footy games, and it was awesome. But then I come to learn that the team that I went to go see um, has been practicing systemic racism for many, many years, and have have had racist practices and all kinds of shit like that. So um, I am uh, standing on the right side. And, uh, yeah, that can go in the garbage because uh, I don't play that shit. And uh, don't worry, I'm not going back in there because there's dog shit in there. And I just opened up. It stinks. They're picking it up tomorrow. So bye-bye. Sorry, Collingswood Football Club. Uh, your upper management are full of cunts. Bye. <laughs> oh, didn't see that coming. <laughs> that was what? that was great. <laughs> Instead, I'm going to go back to a good old American team, the Washington Redskins. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You did call it Collingswood, which I thought yeah. was like well. that, that ruined it for everyone. That ruined it for everyone. Irrational fear. Eddie Maguire addressed the boardroom uh, and for three or four minutes spoke about the way that he handled that report yesterday and says that he regrets the way it was interpreted. A rational fear. Next fear, the next story is probably about the luckiest, unluckiest person in the news this week. Hi, everyone. Oh. I'm Mel Silver oh, and no. I like Google here oh, in Australia. Just, <laughs> Jesus, if Mel. Like most Australians, Silver. you use Google search. Shut up, Mel. Oh, God, sorry about that. Uh, yes, there's a teenager in the UK who is slowly coming out of a 10-month-long coma who has no knowledge of the pandemic despite also getting covid twice in hospital. Now, this kid is not going to know what the Tiger King is. Uh, He's not going to know about the Capitol insurrection. He's probably barely heard of Glass Animals Heatwave. He's not the person that you're going to want to have on your next trivia team. That is for sure. Uh, Fear mongers, to what extent does a story like this worry you for the effectiveness of um, uh, vaccines? Shy? (laughs) Oh, I just think this story is amazing. Like, it sounds like one of those Hollywood sort of thrillers where someone's in a coma for a while and they wake up out of it and the whole world's changed. Because could you imagine, like, walking down the street, no one's in any shops or anything, no one's on the streets, everyone's wearing masks all of a sudden. You're just like, 
have I woken up in some sort of pandemic movie? Is that what's happening here? <laughs> like, it would be terrifying. Hand sanitizers sold out? Like, what? Never, no one used to use it in 2019. I just think it's a, I think it's a really amazing story and this guy would just have so much to catch up on. We've all seen the movie Encino Man. This guy is stoked on Kent Man. I can't wait for the film. <laughs> I don't think anyone should tell him. Like, I think he should... Get moved to just some like a place where there are no people. Like put him in in like Canberra, and just like let let him let him either find out for himself or live his life blissfully unaware. Like he's got the antibodies. He's been done twice. He's probably fine. Give him a vaccine. Let him go, and let him be the one happy person left in the planet. I think the movie you're referencing is is the mistake. You're thinking of Encino Man. What you should be thinking of is Twenty Seven Days Later. Which is the movie in which a man wakes up from a coma to discover that all of oh. the world has been taken over by zombies. And I feel like this is a golden opportunity. This is where we all start scaring the crap out of this guy by chasing after him, making growling sounds and pretending to eat each other. <laughs> Just really give him a real sense of fear and panic for a little while at least before we can all collectively have that laugh. It'll bring us together. It reminds me, right at the start of the pandemic, one of my favourite stories, uh, with one of the best people of all time uh, was when Jared Leto came back from a two-month yoga retreat and it had been silent. <laughs> it had been a silent yoga retreat. So none of the people running the retreat had been able to tell anyone what was happening. So Jared Leto just like m- wandered back in from his like little time and he was like, hey, guys, what's happening? Are we shooting a new DC film? What's up? And He's like, like, I've never Jared, been more relaxed. <laughs> yeah. I was like, fuck, I'd, as always, I'd love to be Jared Leto. <laughs> it could also go the other way. I really like uh, the the film Goodbye Lennon. Do you guys remember that that film? It was about a, about uh, some grand grandkids of a grandmother who were trying to grandmother wakes up from a coma, but she she loves Stalin so much uh, <laughs> that uh, that that the kids had to pretend the Berlin Wall was still up and and the USSR was still kind of in full motion, so they had to do this in, in huge sham. Uh, it could go the other way as well, but you know, yeah, you would have to. <laughs> To bring back the 2019 vibes by like taking that look of despair off our face, which will be really difficult to do because I think people have aged probably 10 years in the last 12 months. So I think that's <laughs> going to be particularly difficult to like bring back that like optimistic glow to everyone that we used to have in 2019. Oh no, we're gonna have to pretend Donald Trump is still president. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what we, we don't know what his political leanings are. He may be an ardent sure. MAGA person, huge Trump supporter, and uh, him coming out of the coma is one of the worst things that's, worst things that's happened. You know, we, we could be <laughs> happy, hoping he gets back, back in. The good thing about him is he's in the UK, right? And uh, they're still part of, like, Brexit still hasn't properly happened. So he's like, nothing has changed there. You don't have to pretend in any way that anything is different in that sense. Kid, I've got some bad news. The good news is you're awake. The bad news is you can't go to your house in Spain anymore. You no longer have it. <laughs> fear. Well, I think if you talk about cash flow, I think we came in more or less uh, as per expectation. $6.6 billion for the quarter, I think, is a resilient number. But indeed, the year was a very tough year, let's be honest, and a very painful year. This is a rational fear. Here's the third fear of the week. Striking the balance of, you know, how to pay hotel quarantine workers has become a bit of a big problem. Don't pay them enough. They've got to take second jobs in the gig economy like in Western Australia or pay them too much and they indulge in 
epic social lives that can endanger others. A new case of COVID in Victoria has, uh, has, has come about. Now, this guy was a hotel quarantine worker, and while he's infectious, he had a bit of a journey. Uh, on Saturday, he went not to one but two sporting clubs. On Sunday, he had a big shopping day. He went not to one but two Kmarts and a Coles for good measure, uh, presumably because he thought his temperature would go down, down. Um, on Monday, he also went to Bunnings Hardware and a golf academy. On a Monday, he went to a golf academy on a Monday. If I was into profiling, I'd say that this hotel quarantine worker had the habits of a retired AFL footballer. How do we strike the balance here, guys? How do we strike the balance between, uh, you know, paying our folks too much that they have a good time or underpaying them that they, they endanger the lives of others? Either way, it's dangerous. I'm just really surprised he didn't go to a Thai restaurant because that's like the one thing that's tied everyone else who's like ever breached quarantine. It's like, mm, I'm out, Thai restaurant. Why not? I do have a lot of sympathy for uh, the, the two Kmarts thing because I've been in that situation where like you want one specific thing from Kmart, <laughs> you go all the way to Kmart to get it and then find, and they're out, but then they call up someone and they're like, actually it's available in the other Kmart across the city. And you're like, but now I must have it because I'm on a quest and you do the drive. So I'm nothing but sympathy and support for him. It's funny, actually, the golf thing helped me a lot because normally when these cases happen with hotel quarantine workers and staff and, and, and such, if they're security guards particularly, I assume that they must be brown because it's a, I know it's a lot of guys like me from India, from Pakistan, working in these places. But the moment you mentioned the golf center, I was like, nah, definitely a white dude. Like, that's really a white guy problem. Um, but overall, he did a great job. He tracked everywhere he went. Yeah. He, he made sure everyone knew where he was going. Um, and he made sure that he notified everyone got tested accordingly. Uh, so, you know, if we had more hotel quarantine workers like him, that was great. Lisa Neville, MP, said in Victoria Question Time today, the hotel quarantine worker had, quote, an amazing phone with a map that tells him everywhere he's been. It's better than the Commonwealth's COVID safe app. I, I, assume, I assume that was just Google Maps, right? <laughs> better than the COVID safe app is not a hard benchmark to meet. It is like, it does feel like uh, hotel quarantine workers need to be told about online shopping. <laughs> like you don't you don't need to go to two Kmarts. You don't need to go to any Kmarts. Kmart comes to you. It's a Melbourne thing. You're in Sydney. You don't get it. We yeah, spent seven months of all, just doing online shopping. If I have to click to purchase one more thing, I'll lose my mind. I will, go, <laughs> I will walk to India to buy the right spices now just to make sure I get out of the house. Well, with an anthem for Melburnians in their current rampant case of COVID, Gabby Bolton Beckshaw have this for us. Hi, everyone. Oh, I'm Mel Silver and I lead Google here in <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Here we go. They have this. Sorry. Beckshaw and Gabby Bolt have this for us. Kmart's in one day I was told to get a test and isolate But instead I thought I would go And see what I can buy of useless objects cheaply made I started feeling warm My temperature, it rose away at four Kmarts in one day Four K- 
Kmart's in one day I would stop at three but you would not believe it They'd all run out of tissues The only thing that I was needing So I went to Kmart for I mean it's not like I have got COVID Craig Kelly's Facebook told me it's a myth And see the shit I got on sale From four Kmart's in one day Don't scan QR codes I invade personal space Left my mask at home For my trip to four Kmart's in one Beautiful stuff there from Gabby Bolden Beckshaw. Really good. You know what's bizarre is how none of this is ever revealing anything too surprising about people. Like everyone's trips in COVID in COVID tracking have been boring. It's never been someone who goes to a sex toy shop and then goes to the aquarium and then goes to you know, you know like, except except that question mark over the um the uh, borrower, I think it's borrower, it's the one in Sydney where they found six people in one household, two were spouses, yes. three were children, and then there's this one mysterious one that no one's been able to answer and that we all, we all are like throwing wild kind of suggestions like could be the second wife, could be the mistress that lives in the hallway. Like no one actually knows and they're refusing <laughs> to answer what it is. So it's just like letting our imagination go crazy over what it could potentially be. Professor Plum with a Petri dish. <laughs> Pretty sure there was a sex party in Colac at one point. I remember because I remember thinking, Colac, least sexy place I've ever been. It's where the swingers are. Irrational fear. That's a matter for the Queensland government. I mean, that's a matter for the Premier. That's a matter that I'll, I'll raise with other Premiers and Chief Ministers. That's really a question to the Premier. That's a matter I'm, I'm happy to take up with the other Premiers and Chief Ministers. Irrational fear. The 2020s continue to be a bumper time for autocratic regimes after five years of democracy. The military in Myanmar have had enough. And despite designing a form of government where they still have veto control and, and, and guaranteed a quarter of the seats in parliament, they've decided that losing an election to the ruling National Democratic League, who won over 80% of the vote, was just a little too embarrassing. Democratic nations all around the world expressed their dismay at the military coup. Um, except, um, you know, one thing that China did say was they they called it a, uh, a cabinet reshuffle, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> um, our next guest is a representative of the emerging Myanmar. He's a young entrepreneur and a small business owner. Uh, we, be, we became friends at the Obama Leadership Asia Pacific convening in 2019. Mia Kia welcome to Irrational Fear. Thank you. Now, Mia, tell us, what is the, what is, what's the feeling like right now um, where you are in Yangon? So we are all like... Um Stress and uh, angry at the same time. Uh, we're all fearful, but we're not really afraid. Um, yeah. So it's all our dreams and future are like all gone. Like it's crashed. So <laughs> we're lost. <laughs> Is this something that um, you've kind of expected for some time? Uh, not really. Not overnight. Um, so we wake up uh, normally on Monday morning and then all of a sudden like the military coup, they took over the country uh, and they phoned their own government. 
How did, how did you find out and how did you react? Like, what, what were you doing at the time? Take us through that moment. So I, I got email from my blog um, uh, about the coup and, and also one of my customers, he, he told me about, about the news and uh, people were like, oh, people were all panics buying. Like they, they, uh, they came to my shop. Uh, so a lot of people came and then um, they're all like, they don't really know what, what to do. Like uh, we're all like entertaining and we like, we, yeah, no emotion at that time. And now we are all like angry. Yeah. It, it, what what kind of um, resistance can you do safely? Kind of given given what's happening with COVID, given how the the regime is so autocratic, what kind of things can you do to kind of show resistance to this moment? So, what, uh, people working for the like uh, government, other like um, uh, staff, they they are showing like civil disobedience, so, uh, and also like every every day at eight pm, we are like uh, banning our pod uh, to show the resistance against the military coup. <laughs> Man, it's it's wild. What does it feel like now? Does it feel like there is a possibility for change for you, or like do you feel hopeless? Where are you right now? Oh, uh, still a little bit hopeless. But now uh, today, like the the opposition party, they held uh, their own. Uh, they formed their own uh, government, so they had their their own parliament session. Uh, uh, but, but we we don't know what will happen. Like at this point of the uh, has the new military government announced any um, uh, you know any new rules and regulations in terms of censorship in terms of any of those things yeah 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 uh, starting from Monday, they they tried to uh, cut off all the internet and, and facebook and all the telephone line were cut off but uh, they, uh, it's, it was resumed. but uh, today like they announced uh, they they issue a new notification uh, to the like uh, service provider to stop uh, to, to ban their facebook and also, to uh, they're trying to block the VPN. So we are now using uh, Facebook through B- VPN, but they're trying to uh, also like get off the v- VPN as well. So they may also cut off at the internet soon. That's uh, so interesting. Like it must have been strange for the military to kind of get a grasp of that and kind of understand how to how to. Uh, in effect, kind of stop communications pre because the internet's pretty new in Myanmar, right? Like it's like a it, over the last five years, it's it's kind of just come in, and and the military previously didn't have to do too much to kind of shut down communications, but now the internet is this tool that's everywhere, and it must be so strange for them to kind of shut it off. Yeah, yeah, and also they they also like using the internet, right? Like the military also using Facebook as a tool to to spread rumors. And to to uh, control the country, so uh, and so now people are migrating to uh, Twitter. <laughs> we are now using Twitter <laughs> instead of Facebook now. <laughs> really, that's so fascinating. So Facebook has become the malevolent tool of the Myanmar military. I guess I guess Facebook's got to go really check at history, particularly with Rohingya population and stuff like that from from uh, 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 the last few years in Myanmar. They use, they use Facebook as a tool to like also to spread rumors and, and also like uh, the Rohingya conflict was started like through, also through Facebook, right? Uh, they, they spread false news and then people start like protesting and, 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 and going against each other. Like. What kind of safeguards are there on Twitter versus Facebook? Do you know? No, no. <laughs> It's it, not none. It's more about accessibility. I mean, so for example, in in uh, I remember in uh, when the, when the massacres against the Rohingya had started, it was WhatsApp, not even Facebook, that was really the problem. And you know, and you're seeing the kind of same stuff happening. My question though is, uh, is this Tanshui's you know loyalists? Are they the ones who are now bringing this stuff about again after all these years, or is this a whole new group of army people who are have no connection to the previous military hunters? Um. It's um it's not new like people like uh they they had like um 
successor, right? Like, uh, mm-hmm. so that 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 maybe they maybe they, they may think that that the uh, the old uh, military general like uh, maybe thinks that he is too soft on the country. So I uh, also like they they try to think that they, they, they one of their ambition is also to stop the civil war like within the country on their terms. But it may not happen uh, really soon. I was just going to ask what you think the international community should be doing about this. I mean, I know Australia occasionally weighs in to what, you know, what could potentially be issues in Myanmar but doesn't really have too much of a skin in the game. What do you think countries like Australia should be doing? Um, to spread more news about what they have done about the military uh, government and to do maybe to do uh, sanctions uh, related businesses, not to sanction the whole country. I think it will not be really effective. Um, and also to, to support maybe the, if there's a parallel government to support the parallel government, right? To, to uh, kind of uh, uh, acknowledge that, that the parallel government, uh, the idea will be very, very important. Do you think the government, uh, you know, they're meeting currently outside in kind of an informal fashion? Do you think they are uh, are safe? Do you or do you think they will probably get arrested again? No, they're not really safe. They 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 are in like Nebido, which which is the capital. It's where the military is based. So, uh, uh, yeah, it may not be safe. Like, and do do you feel safe? Like, are people like you? you know, who aren't con- directly connected to the government safe? Do you feel safe in- at the moment? No. <laughs> it's like uh, going back to uh, uh, the past. Like, um, we don't know who is who. And, um, uh, um, yeah, we don't know. Uh, now, like, we have to take out ourselves because uh, if something, even if something happens, there's no one to, to do, like, safe as. Yeah. Sammy, you've lived in an autocratic regime. <laughs> Twice, <laughs> yeah. yeah <two> <laughs> are, uh, are you counting um, your time in Melbourne as autocratic under Dan no. and Andrews? Is that <laughs> yeah, what you're saying? Yeah, dictator Dan. That's what I meant. <laughs> no, the, um, well, what is funny was watching, not funny really, but like it was that weird kind of deja vu when I saw the footage, when they made the announcement of the military takeover in Burma, in Myanmar, um, it was on the news over there. Like you know, a news anchor makes the announcement. And it was very much the same of what I saw, you know, growing up when Parviz Musharraf took over. And prior to that, whenever we'd have like one military, one, one, you know, the government, the military stepped in and kicked out one democratic party and brought in another one and all of that. It's always the state news that used to bring you that news. So it was kind of bizarre to see that again. But also what, what Mir was saying is so true that feeling in the first few days of no one knows what's going on because the people who put these plans into action, discover very quickly that nothing goes according to plan. And then they scramble to make things, uh, you know, fit either their plan or make up a new plan. So until they unveil what they actually want, who's in charge, how it will work out, you just hope for the best. And it never works out for the best. It's going to be military dictatorships aren't known for their kindness and their light touch um, and, and their tolerance for dissent. So you know, Myanmar's got a long road ahead of it. Unfortunately, it's a road it's been on before. Uh, Mio, I saw reports that as soon as the military took over, they started putting propaganda over across broadcast television and radio and things like that. When you heard that and saw that, did you go, gee, this is really dated? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, we're, we're not in North Korea, right? <laughs> <laughs> Update your propaganda. Mio, what's one thing that 
as we can do, re, re, regular Australians do to kind of support you? What's one thing that, you know, people listening to this, people on Twitter, what's one thing that we could do to help you? Uh, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't really know <laughs> what uh, <laughs> other people can do for us. <laughs> Are there people that you follow at the moment on on Twitter or Facebook, or or people who are getting out good information? Uh, no, 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 not really. Uh, but other people are like trying to post uh on like Facebook or or like uh. But Rihanna recently uh uh, uh tweeted about Myanmar, and, and uh we hope that other celebrities will also follow um and uh spread uh, uh the awareness about what happening inside the country. Yeah. Yeah, at this point, between Rihanna tweeting about Myanmar and then Rihanna tweeting about the, the farmer protests in India, she's literally the only person on the international stage talking about things that need to be talked about. So <laughs> more power to Rihanna, as always, as always. We need to get Shannon Noll on the case in Australia to tweet about Myanmar and, and the farmers <laughs> protesting in me, India. <laughs> what about Myanmar? <laughs> it isn't fair. I don't feel good about it. I, no, I, I back it. I back all, I back a good pun. That was great. Um, Mio, thank you so much for joining us on Irrational Fear. I hope you stay safe. I hope you stay safe and I hope your internet connection stays up so you can keep talking to the world about what's happening there. We hope so, yeah. 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 Um, that is it for Irrational Fear. Big thanks to our guests, Louis Alves, Sammy Shah, Shalala Madola, Mio Thu. Um, do you guys have anything to plug? Shalala, do you want to plug anything? Not really. No. I can't. I work for the ABC, so probably shouldn't. <laughs> Listen to it. Hack on Triple J. You know, that's what you got to do. Sammy Shah, you, you, you've got Melbourne Comedy Festival shows coming up. I do indeed. I have a comedy festival show coming up uh, at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Starts uh, in March uh, on the 24th, I believe. So uh, buy tickets to that. That's available. Uh, and also I have a Patreon, much like everyone else on the planet right now. It's your <laughs> only real source of income. <laughs> um, so patreon.com slash Sammy Shah. Mio, do you want to plug anything? Do you have a Patreon? Burmese people now need uh, the international support uh, uh, to, to uh, spread more awareness and to do... Uh, stop the military government to uh, from doing what they're doing. So uh, we all need your help. Yeah. And Lewis, what have you got to plug? Uh, Daniel, uh, uh, next Thursday, in a week's time, in Sydney, there is a wonderful show that if it were me, I would be selling my firstborn for tickets for. That is <laughs> Irrational Fears 100th episode. It's uh, it's got all the hits. It's got all the guests. It's got uh, everything we mentioned at the start of the show. I'll be getting a free laptop from a member of the audience, which is pretty exciting. There's a lot going on. All right, thank you very much. Also, a big thanks to Hi, everyone. Oh. I'm Mel Silver, oh, God, and I make Google here in Australia. Jesus. If you're like most Australians. Oh. All right, a big thanks to Mel Silver. Also, a big thanks to Roadmarks, the Bertha Foundation, our Patreon supporters, Jacob Round on the Teppanyaki timeline, Gabby Bolton Beckshaw for their 4K Muts in one day, and all the folks on the Discord channel today. It was popping today. It was energetic. It was interesting. It was smart. Uh, until next week, there's always something to be scared of, which is our 11th, our 11th, sorry, our 100th episode live show. Get your tickets. There's only 20 or so left. Good night. Thanks, everyone. Hi, everyone. Oh, God. I'm Mel Silver. Oh, and Cheers. Bye. See you, gang. Bye.